CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Monday's edition of To Every Man and Answer, and we're glad you've joined us. Looking forward to quite an exciting week, I think, in just about every avenue that there is. Yeah, you know, I believe that, uh, again, as Jesus said, uh, when you begin to see these things, look up, your redemption draws nigh. When you see him in one part of the world, you think, well, that's too bad. You see it in another part of the world, you think, well, that's too bad. See it in your own backyard, well, that's too bad. But when you see it all over the world, all at the same time, I believe this is what Jesus was talking about. The principle of that, of course, is the nation of Israel. And so we want to, again, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Be about our Father's business. If you've been sharing your faith, someone's asked you a question, come across something in the Bible you don't understand, call us. That's why we're here for you each and every weekday afternoon, live radio, 88 88 ask CSN is the number to call. You can be part of the program today simply by calling again 8888 ask CSN. And we'd love to talk to you today. Joining me today, special guest, featured CSN speaker that we have on the weekend, Scott Parker from Festus, Missouri, right by St. Louis. Hi and welcome. Hello, Mike. It is great to be with you today. And um it feels like a while since I've been on since we had these it, it Monday is. these it Monday is. holidays and things. <laughs> And uh, actually, last Monday, the reason I wasn't able to be on with you is uh, I was at a pastor's retreat that was here locally. Um, we have a great thing going on here in Jefferson County in our area where we have pastors, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching pastors from our area uh, that get together, uh, actually get together at our church every week for prayer. And uh, so we had a pastor's retreat uh, this past week that was centered on pray, prayer, and it was praying for each other. And so... That's why I wasn't able to be on last week, but uh, it's just so great uh, to have that fellowship, Mike, and and to find, you know, biblical um, pastors uh, that are that that come together to fellowship. It's it's encouraging to see, you know, what the Lord is doing in other churches. So uh, I was always encouraged by that when we are, when we get together. But uh, it's so good to be with you and looking so forward to helping you answer questions. Amen. And uh, again. Got some lines open if you want to be part of the program today. Again, 8888-ASK-CSN. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have Gail on the line, San Antonio, Texas. Hi, and welcome. Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I just had a question about Freedom in Christ Ministries and um, the teacher, Neil. He wrote the book, The Bondage Breaker, Neil Anderson. Do you know anything about it? I am not familiar with it, but can you tell me, uh, is there a particular issue in it uh, that that is causing the question? Um, just that, like your identity in Christ, um, it goes over a lot of that. It just seems kind of like they're leaving out uh, some of the some of the scriptures. I, I don't know, but it. Um, well, of course, the Bible calls us to identify with Christ, that that's undeniable. And, and they were first called uh, Christians at Antioch. Now, now uh, we find this in the book of Acts. 
Now, why that's important is Christian means little Christ. It doesn't mean Christ-like. It actually means little Christ or little Jesuses. It was really a slanderous term came, coming from the world, uh, basically what you'd call today Jesus freaks or something like that. But really, uh, look at the little Jesuses over there. They're all imitating Christ. Well, I believe we are to imitate Christ. Um, I think that's so important. Now, of course, there's some things uh, that we're not going to be able to necessarily walk on water, things like this. However, I do believe at times in our ministries, we do see the miraculous hand of God work through us. And so I, I do believe that there are the gifts of the Spirit. I believe they're alive and well for everyone today. They did not cease with the apostles, as some denominations teach, because they did not begin in Acts chapter 2. They're all the way through the Bible. It's just a normal occurrence for those people who love God, whether you're looking at Moses, whether you're looking at Elijah, whether you're looking at even King David. You see the hand of God on people's lives in these uh, in wonderful, uh, undeniable empowerments of the Holy Spirit. What makes Acts chapter 2 different is that it was now for everyone, not just uh, individuals at sundry times in the past where God would have a Moses or an Elijah, but now basically the gifts of the Spirit are for everyone. So, so for any group of people to come along and say, oh, the miracles ceased with the apostles, or when the Bible was canonized, is simply ridiculous, because they didn't begin in Acts chapter 2. They wouldn't have ended uh, in the last chapter of the book of Acts, because they're all the way through the entirety of God's Word. So yes, we are to identify with Christ. I believe that's important. I don't know exactly what angle he's taking. Do you have any information on this, Scott? You know, Mike, I am familiar with his name, and I'm familiar with some of his books. I do know a lady in our church who is very solid, very biblical, uh, that told me when she was going through a difficult time that she read one of his books, and it really, really helped him. Um, I'm actually, you know, doing some, just some real quick while you're talking, Mike, just some look online. And, um, I know that, uh, as I'm looking at this, um, he, he deals a lot with demonic. Um, I read one thing on online real quick that said that he's, he's a dispensationalist as far as theology, which, okay, which we are too, which we agree with that. Um, I don't know his, I don't know his stance on the demonic or how deep he gets into it because some people can get really into it very unhealthy. Um, but there is a source, um, that I'm reading now that's a really good source on, on things like this. And they're actually quoting from one of his books called Walking Through the Darkness in where he exposes a new age, uh, new age beliefs. Um, so that's pretty much what I know, uh, about him. I've never read his books. Um, but those that I have heard anytime his name has come up with Christians that I know, they've never had anything negative to say, uh, about his book. So that's about the best I could do, Mike. Yeah. I hope that, I hope that helps. And, and, uh, what Scott meant by we're dispensationalists, we're not hyper dispensationalists. Now, no. very important to understand. Hyper-dispensationalism says, well, God dealt with people at one particular time and that group of people only in that particular time. 
Now, um, we do know that there are disp- different dispensations. There was the dispensation of conscience uh, that, that, you know, we, we need to do what was right. Then God gave us the law. Well, actually, before that, there was the, the dispensation of innocence before uh, man fell in the garden. Then we had the dispensation of, 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 um, of uh, our conscience. Then we had the dispensation of the law when the law was given. And there's even some micro ones involved in this. And then when Jesus died on the cross, we entered the dispensation of grace. It's by grace we're saved, not by works uh, of ourselves, lest any man would boast, but it's what Christ does for us. And of course, you're going to have uh, the tribulation and the millennial reign. But but hyper-dispensationalists say, well, uh, God just dealt that way with that group of people at that particular time, and all the verses pertaining to that particular dispensation have no relevance to our dispensation. That is hyper-dispensationalism and also very, very bad doctrine. How can I say that? Jesus said, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, again, for any group of people to come along and say, well, God dealt with this group of people at this time, this way, but none of those things that are written apply to us today. Very, very, very bad doctrine. And so right. I just wanted to clarify that. But, Gail, yeah. as far as the question on um, on this individual, I, I can't—I I, I have no other, no other line for you. I hope that helps. Okay, um— if they say we have like no sin nature is no longer have a sin nature is that is that accurate? <laughs> no, I, I believe we have an old sin nature that we're going to wrestle with till the day we go be with the Lord and we get our new bodies. Amen. <laughs> um, and and to say that we don't, I, I think we would have a real problem theolo- theologically because again there is none righteous. Paul says no, not one. Uh, does that help? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So, so if if somebody's saying that that uh, we no longer have an old sin nature, uh, they they haven't uh, uh, been around very many Christians, uh, because you'll find that we're sinners saved by grace. But again, sinning doesn't make you a sinner. Sinning proves what you are. Now, again, we do have a new nature, which is Christ, and if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. On the other hand. When even as a Christian we don't, then we can be as wicked and dark as anybody else on this earth. So I hope that helps, Gail. Stay in line. I'll send you out some books, some DVDs. I got The Atheist Delusion for you by Ray Comfort. Great DVD. Great to share with your friends as well as the movie Jesus. Time to Grow. And then a little uh, another DVD called Evolution. Excuse me. Um, God of Wonders. We'll get those out to you. I think you'll enjoy those. Gail, thanks so much for the question. Get any more questions? Please. Calls, we'll do our very best. Let's go to Gary, Lancaster, California. Hi, welcome. Hi, Pastor Mike. Hi, Pastor Scott. How may Hello. we help? Okay. Uh, if you give me an opportunity, just a second to get the total question. So in Genesis, God made everything in six actual days. Got it. Uh, then he, uh, he made Adam. Got it. From Adam, he made Eve. Got it. In the garden, they sinned. Now, prior to that sin, time was eternal. Am I not correct in that? Well, I would say, and this has been a great debate amongst many, many theologians, and the question is, when did time start? 
Was it when God created Adam and, the, and Eve, and when the Bible says he lived to be, what, 930 years old? Uh, is that counting from the day that he drew his first breath? Or 930 years after he fell, when you might say the clock began in that it was counting to the time of the Messiah? And so there's a lot of debate on that. I personally lean more towards time began when man sinned. Your thoughts? Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, and as you look at that, um, we see those definite time markers given to us. Uh, I do believe that when we are reading there in Genesis chapter 1, and it's talking about the the days that God created, I do believe those are literal 24-hour days. Um, that God did create everything in, in six 24 hour days, rested on the seventh day. Um, so, you know, when you, when you look at that, you, you see, you know, time being marked for us. Um, so, but, uh, that's a very interesting question that I've really never <laughs> pondered too much. So anyway, Mike. Yeah. Uh, so I, I hope that sheds some light on it. I, I wish I could go more in depth. Now, of course, to argue that time was already started, you they would stand on on the viewpoint that God created the earth in six days, rested on the seventh, and so on. That is where some stand. But again, sin sin entered the world through Adam, and that's when the degradation began. So, mm-hmm. I think it's a real good question, Gary. I don't know. I think we probably have to wait till we get to heaven on that one, but. <laughs> Uh, that is one that I wish we could answer for it. I, I found oftentimes when the Bible is silent, the wise thing is to be silent on that. I don't want to make up something. So hope that helps. Yeah, like I said, uh, my curiosity lay in exactly that because you have three things occurring at the almost same time. You have the beginning, because I believe in that too, as God's Word said. <clears throat> Six actual days and he rested on the seventh. Got it. Now, you got Adam, then from Adam you got Eve, and it says they walked in the cool of the garden with God all the time. We got that. No one knows actually the length of time. I understand that, and when it's silent, we're silent. I get that. But the curiosity lays because it gives the date of Adam's uh, length of time before his death, but I was only getting to the point that I'm assuming that leans toward when he sinned, because if you go prior to the sin, we were eternal. We were going to be living with God forever because that was the initial plan. Then yep. you see what I'm saying? Yeah, Gary, exactly. And, and uh, But wait, there's more. Another question is, how long was Adam and Eve in the garden before they sinned? Was it a year? Was it five years? Was it 20 years? Was it... You know, uh, God rested on the seventh day, and then on the eighth day, Adam and Eve ate of the tree, and on the ninth day, they got kicked out. Now, I don't believe that. I believe they could have been in the garden for quite a while before uh, they fell. Now, somewhere after creation, I believe this is when Lucifer fell, because we find repeated concerning the creation uh, on all but, I think, one one the first day or whatever— and God saw it as creation, it was good, or it was very good. I don't see God creating a very good world with a devil in it at that time. Right. Now, Jesus said something really interesting. 
He said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning. Okay, fall from where to where would be my question. Of course, I understand he would have had to fall uh, from heaven, but to where? It would appear to the earth. And it would also appear that whatever it was that caused Satan to rebel against God directly affected him and probably a third of the host of heaven. Well, all of the host of heaven, but a third that rejected it. And it may very well be, the Bible clearly says, that he created man a little lower than the angels. I don't think that bothered Lucifer and the and the host of heaven. But then the Bible says he was going to elevate man above the angels, call them his bride, those that chose to serve him and love him. And the Bible says someday we will judge angels in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So I believe this is probably where pride entered Satan's heart. There's not going to be anybody bigger than me. Nobody going to be bigger than you angels out there. Whatever it was, it was a major magnitude, I believe, to cause that many of the heavenly hosts to rebel those stars that fell with Lucifer, um, to this earth. And I I believe that, again, um, this is the only place that I see that it could really fit. Again, Jesus, I beheld Satan fall like lightning. Well, if he fell from lightning, we know that that's um, kind of, if you, in a way, a heavenly realm to an earthly realm. Um, and it, it it's noteworthy that I believe that this is probably somewhere where where uh, Satan entered the picture. And this is where the temptation came uh, to seduce Eve, and then Adam willingly ate of the tree. So, hope that helps, Gary. It does. Uh, one last thing, and I'm going to let you guys go, and I appreciate it. When we get to heaven, Pastor Mike, Pastor Scott, do you think we'll be— because it says we will know as we are known, but is that implied that we'll just know everything? There won't be any questions for us to ask anybody? Because I hope not, because I'd love to talk to all everybody, the apostles, Jesus, uh, the prophets. I'd love to ask them a bazillion questions since I have eternity to do so. So which do you think it might be, that we know I, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's speaking directly about us will be known as we're known. It doesn't mean we're going to know everything the minute we walk in heaven. Now, we're going to know a whole lot more than we know now. We're not going to be any dumber in heaven than we are here. But the point is, is that I believe throughout all of eternity, God will be teaching and showing us his greatness. In fact, that's what the Bible says. He's going to show us his greatness. Uh, what's beyond the stars? What's inside the atom? You know, all those things, I believe this is what God's going to let us see and experience uh, and know. So, uh, again, uh, I don't believe it's that we just, the minute we walk into heaven, it, and, and, and to fortify that, you have in the New Jerusalem a river proceeding from the throne, and you have the tree of life. And the leaves are for the healing of the nations. Now, to me, this is a very interesting picture to find in the New Jerusalem. Why would you need 
healing for the nations in the New Jerusalem. So that tells me maybe a lot of the things that we know and experience, maybe our prejudice, all these different things, will eventually be reconciled in heaven. And so I I believe this is part of, uh, otherwise, why would you have leaves on a tree for the healing of the nations? That, That makes no sense unless there's a reason to need the healing of the nations. So I, I think it's, it's talking about peoples there, um, maybe the things that people brought with them. Surely we will be forgiven if you've asked and be in heaven. We'll be known as we're known. But I think there's going to be a whole lot of things we're going to learn when we get there. Hope that helps. Gary, stay in line. Send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll enjoy them, okay? Thank you. God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. This uh, very provocative question. Let's go to Jeffrey, Mineral Wells, Texas. Hi, Will. Oh, uh, potato there, Pastor Mike. Uh, <laughs> yeah, potato. I, uh, <laughs> uh, so I've got a couple questions real quick, and one of them, your, your conversation with Gary kind of sparked one, uh, and that would be, uh, what are your thoughts about when Satan and the angels were actually uh, created? Because I've, I've had someone tell me, a pastor actually tell me, and I don't think it's true, or I don't think it's right, that it happened on the, like the after the second day, and I just cannot imagine. Is I'm like you guys, I believe in se- seven uh, uh, actual 24-hour periods of time, so I can't imagine that they were created and they were only there for for 24 hours or less. You know, so I'd like to know your thoughts on that. And my the uh, and the, my original question is what what are your thoughts? And I know this is not really script in scripture; it's it's kind of conjecture, something you had you would have to con- be pure conjecture, but. Um, the the eternal state after after the after all is fulfilled in in, in the in our in the Lord's word uh, and the, the the last last period of revelation is 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 behind us and what are your thoughts that we'll be doing there and and you know and and how that will be I know that's like I said that's a that's a question that's pure conjecture I know you cannot scripturally go and answer that but we'd like to know your thoughts and then. Last thing is, Pastor Mike, do you have a, a website or anything with your your sermons on archive? There are archive. You you had one particular sermon about Ezekiel thirty eight that I really enjoyed, and I was waiting to hear Ezekiel thirty nine, and then I wasn't able to hear it. And I'm hoping maybe it's archived somewhere if you did that. And that's all. Yeah, if you go to the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho, uh, the sermons there are archived, and you can follow along in your Bible. And I think that'll really help. Now, you know, uh, speaking of heaven, you know, the Bible does say that he's going to show us his greatness forever. That's what I believe we'll be doing in heaven. Uh, and I think it's going to take an eternity for us to understand the richness, the depth um, of, of, of our God. I, I, I believe that this is something that's, that is so important. Now, um, I, I I don't believe that the angels were created on the second day. I, I believe they were already in existence when they were created. The Bible really doesn't, as far as I can I know, I don't know any place where they were created. Um, your thoughts, Scott? Yeah, exactly. I, I do believe, as far as the angels, definitely were created before um, the the Lord made the earth. Um, in Job chapter 38, uh, it speaks about there, um, that the, uh, that the angels actually rejoiced when the Lord laid the foundations 
uh, of the earth. And yeah, so it does right. give us that idea that they were already in so existence. So they had to be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. God already created them before, uh, before he created the earth. So yeah, that's, that would be my stance on it from just looking at scripture and, and understanding, uh, what it has to say about angels. And, and something that we have to remember too, and this is where a lot of the cults, uh, try to use scripture out of context. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Oh, see, God's talking to the angels because, again, <laughs> Jesus is not God according to them. He was created there in uh, Bethlehem. He was in the mind of God, but he was not a real being. Of course, pure heresy. The Bible, Jesus said before Abraham was, I am in John eight fifty eight, And we don't find angels being a procreative force. Um, I believe when he said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, what do we find in the likeness of God? We find a triune being, uh, father, son, and Holy spirit. When we look at man, what do you find? You find a triune being, you find a body, a mind, and a spirit. Now, I think this is very important because this, in this different avenues of our triune being, uh, in a human being, this is where I believe um, we understand that when Adam and Eve ate of the tree, their spirit died. Their body, their mind didn't fall down dead right there when they ate of the tree. In fact, God says, where are you? Well, we're hiding. Why are you hiding? We're naked. Who told you we were naked? See, this is the problem. So when we look at this, uh, I believe that when we, when we really examine up close this whole idea that uh, God created man uh, in his image, and we find today people with a dead spirit. Jesus, This is why Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again. And uh, Nicodemus, well, I got to go back in my mom, you know. No, Jesus said, unless a man is born of the water and of the spirit, he'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. He's not speaking of baptism there. The order is even wrong for it being baptism, unless a man is born of the water and of the Spirit, you'd be born of the Spirit, then of the water. But that's not what it says. It says, born of the water and of the Spirit. Just as you have a natural birth, the water breaks, out comes the baby. That's your birthday. So you need a spiritual birthday because the spirit of man is dead. You can have a person with perfect health wanting to kill themselves because their mind is not right. Their their mind is sick. You can find, you can talk to an alcoholic and say, do you want to stop drinking? Oh, yes, I want to stop drinking. Will you stop drinking? No, because the flesh tells the mind, shut up, I'm going to do what I want to do. So you find this triune being, apart from God, quite a convoluted mess. And so I believe this is, again, uh, why uh, God was not speaking to angels. He was speaking to the triune godness there. And so hope that part helps. We are coming up on a break, everyone. We don't want you to go away. We're going to have a whole lot more coming up right after this. We'll be right. In 2007, when Dan Steiner, president of Preborn, cried out to God, what can I do for you? The answer came loud and clear. I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often. But if we can get a mom into one of our clinics and show her her baby, and she has that a close encounter of the best kind in her womb, she will choose life. 
Preborn Network of Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion. To learn more about the life-saving work of Preborn, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax-deductible. Your love can save a life. You know, these days, so refreshing to get some good news about how to pay for health care, especially if you're 65 or older, you know just how brutal costs can be. Well, MediShare now has a new option for you. It's called MediShare 65 Plus, and MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. If you've got Medicare Parts A and B, MediShare 65 Plus fills in those gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too, because it starts at only $99 a month for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access, prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Just very worth looking into. MediShare 65 Plus is taking applications now. And if you call with the promo code SHARE before January 31st, your second month will be free. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. back to part two of To Every Man and Answer here on this Monday, starting off this brand new week with Scott Parker. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And uh, when we went to the break, we were speaking with Jeffrey. And um, your thoughts on that, Scott? Yes. So um, uh, we were now, Jeffrey, you were asking the question, too, right, about um, basically about the new heavens, new earth after after uh, the millennium's over and time is 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 done. Of what we're going to be doing, the the age after the age to come that we know that we can tell, you know, the yeah. after the millennial age, millennial reign. You know, yeah. what, what are your thoughts? Well, what's about that? I, well, what's interesting? Sure, yeah. In Revelation twenty one and twenty two, that is the eternal state. That's eternity. Um, so no more time, so to speak. Right. Uh, when you look in those chapters, you'll see there's no that on the new earth. There is no more need for the sun or the moon um, because the lamb, Jesus, will be the light because he'll be dwelling with us. And so time is no more now. It, we're, we're into eternity future. And so what's interesting, though, when you read about the new heavens, new earth, um, when it's speaking of a new earth there, it's talking about a brand new earth because we know at the end of the millennium, there's going to be the great white throne judgment at the end of Revelation chapter 20. And then it tells us there that the heaven and the earth that is now fled away. Now, that's interesting because Peter tells us in Second Peter chapter 3 that all these elements that we have now on the earth are going to be burned up and they're going to be gone. And we see that actually happen there in Revelation 20 as the uh, as the judgment, uh, the great white throne judgment takes place. And so after that, then, when unbelievers are are raised from the dead, they are judged, they are sent to the lake of fire, then we read that what God ushers in now is a new heaven and new earth. And the Lord will dwell with us 
on this new earth. The new heavens is not speaking about a new heaven where God dwells like we think of God dwelling in heaven now. Uh, the heavens there are talking about the atmosphere and the sky and the space that that's around us now. It's all going to be brand new. But here's what's interesting. It's still an earth where we're going to live for eternity. Now, I know that may be a shocker to some of our listeners because we've we've always been told or or a lot of times we're told as Christians, we we, we throw these this language around where it's like, well, we're going to go to heaven forever. <laughs> well, actually, we're not. We're going to go to heaven until the tribulation's over. Then we're going to return to the earth with Jesus where he's going to reclaim the earth as, as his own because he's the owner of it by way of – uh, by the by the right of creation he created it and the right of redemption he redeemed it but then he's going to make it all new so here's what i would say i think it's interesting that we're going to live on a new earth and also when you read in the book of revelation both in chapters 21 and 22 it speaks of the nations of the earth that there's going to be nations and so i really believe that what the new heavens and new earth is going to be is going to be the eternal state of what the millennium was on earth, except there will be no unbelievers. We'll all, everyone at that point will be glorified and their glorified bodies living on a brand new earth. And I do believe that there'll be things for us to do for eternity here on the earth. I don't believe that it'll just simply be one big worship service for all eternity where we just sit and sing to God. That will be included, of course. As it is now on this earth, but I do think we will have a function and things to do just like we will do in the millennial kingdom. I believe that the new heaven, new earth will be like, if I could say it this way, like the millennium on steroids. <laughs> It'll be because the, 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 cur the curse of death will be completely gone where it's not in the millennium. So the millennium will get an upgrade to the eternal state. But I believe just like the millennium where we had a function and 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 had uh, uh, things to do here on this earth, I believe that will be the, the case through all eternity. And the reason I say that is because not only does it speak of nations, uh, but then also um, when you look at the book of Revelation, you see that what it's going to be, it's going to be paradise restored. So the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve lived in, and they fellowshiped with God. God fellowshiped with them on the earth, right? Because he came down in the cool of the day to, to speak with them and fellowship with them. So God's going to be there fellowshipping with us on the earth, just like the way Adam and Eve had it. It's going to be paradise restored because paradise was lost through man's sin. But through Christ, it's all restored now. And here's what I think is interesting. Even in the Garden of Eden before sin, God gave Adam work to do. He still had work. He was still the caretaker of the earth. And I believe because of that, because the new heavens, new earth will be the, the restoration of what mankind lost. I believe when we go back and we look at the Garden of Eden, we can kind of get an idea that, hey, we are going to have a function. God's going to give us something to do on the new earth. Um, so I think that's that's uh, to be considered when we're thinking about, you know, what are we going to be doing for all eternity? So, Mike. Hope that helps, Jeffrey. Hey, that's wonderful, guys. Always a pleasure. Uh, thank you very much. God bless you, Jeffrey. Stay on the line. Send you out the uh, package, the new one we have for everybody, the Atheist Delusion with Ray Comfort, as well as the others. Stay on the line if you like, and we'll get those out to you. Let's go to Marjorie in Antelope Valley, California. Hi, and welcome. Hi, there. 
Um, okay, I have a question about the lineage of Jesus, which has confused me greatly. And I've asked even pastors, and sometimes they have not been able to give me a specific answer. I'm just wondering, um, in Matthew 1, it says the lineage of Jesus, and it traces it all the way to his stepfather, Joseph. And then it says yes. that he is related to David and Abraham. But if Joseph is his stepfather, that wouldn't be his blood relative. So I'm wondering, is are they cousins with Mary, and is he related that way to David? No, if, if, you read, no if you read the lineage of Christ in the book of Luke— you'll see that the blood lineage goes from Mary back to King David. And I think that's really important. Now you might say, well, why then is the uh, stepfather's lineage recorded there in the book of Matthew? It's because Jesus then would have had a legal right to the throne as well as a blood right to the throne and being our Savior uh, just as uh, God promised David that that uh, that he would be uh, that one that would would eventually reign with him. So uh, understanding that the the lineages in the book of Matthew and the lineages in the book of Luke are different. Luke being Mary's and Matthew's being Joseph's. Your thoughts. Yeah, that's exactly right, Mike. And it's very interesting, too, because if you look at Matthew's lineage, why is he tracing the lineage through Jesus' foster father, who's not his biological father, Joseph? It's just like what Mike said. Through Joseph, he inherits the right to rule as uh, the son of David on the throne of David, okay, which, which, by the way, the Lord prophesied to David and made him a promise back in Second Samuel chapter seven. Uh, that's where that that is that that's where that comes from. Um, and also, what's interesting is Matthew is writing his gospel from the point of proving that Jesus is the King of the Jews. That's why he uses Joseph's lineage there. And then when you read the book of Luke, Luke, the whole theme to the book of Luke is Luke is proving that Jesus, though he was God. He was still a man, and he was the perfect man. That's why Luke traces Jesus' lineage from Mary as a human. So it's really interesting because if you read the book of John, <laughs> the Gospel of John gives us the idea, you know, that Jesus, the emphasis of John is that Jesus is God. But the emphasis of Luke is Jesus, he is God, but he was also a man. So that's why you have those lineages uh, in those particular Gospels. Mike? And, and a stepfather could bequeath to his adopted son mm -hmm. that right um, that would be transferred as if it would have been his own son. So hope that helps, Margie. Yes, it does. I, I've, I've read Matthew many times, but I've never seen that. I've read the Bible, but what what scripture is that in Luke that links him to Mary? I don't know which one that is. It's right in the very first part of the book of Luke. Um, Luke chapter three. Luke three, beginning yeah. in verse twenty three. Mm -hmm. And 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 it just goes through it, and you'll see it starts going back to some common ancestors uh, when you get closer to David. So it's kind of an interesting uh, study there. But they're completely two different long lineages there. Um, one for Joseph, one for Mary. Hope that helps. It does help. Thank you very much. Margie, stay on the line if you like. Send you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll enjoy. And with that, we'll go to Daniel in Connecticut. Hi, welcome. 
Oh, we, we lost you there. Call back. We'll do our best to retrieve you there. Let's go to Chris, Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. Hi, and welcome. Uh, yes, hello. Uh, I have a very simple question, but it has some uh, serious ramifications depending on what the answer actually is. Okay. <laughs> uh, can you verify in Scripture whether angels actually possess reproductive organs or not? I believe they do not. And I believe that, going back to Genesis chapter 6, where it talks about the sons of God, is speaking there of the lineage of, uh, the, the righteous lineage of, um, of Seth. And, and, uh, if you go to Deuteronomy as an example, uh, you'll, you'll find that part of the problem with the nation of Israel is they were intermarrying with ungodly women and turning the hearts of people who love God away from God. And I believe this is why when you get to Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found grace in the sight of God, he was the exception because everybody else had done their own thing. Now, well, it says that, that the, the uh, angels uh, had relations with humans and, and they had giants. It never says that in the Bible. That is made up. It says there were giants in the land in those days, but it doesn't say it was a direct result of the union of angels or, or, and humans or anything like that. It says the sons of God saw the daughters of men were fair. And by the way, this is the problem that there is today, and almost everyone listening, if you've been a Christian any length of time, you'll know probably some single a Christian that started dating a worldly person, and they turned their heart away from God. This is a problem. The Bible warns it all the way through. I believe this is what happened here. And while why Noah, in verse 8, was the exception to this. You never find this anywhere. And the idea that the sons of God were angelic beings was foreign in complete Jewish understanding. That doctrine did not come about till about 300 AD, where they said, oh, the sons of God are angels. Because the Bible does refer to us human beings as the sons of God as well. Uh, the book of John, to them gave he power to become the sons of God to as many as them that would believe on his name. There are more references in the Bible that the sons of God are human than the sons of God are angelic beings. Now, we find sons of God appearing there in the book of Job. There, yes, it is speaking of angels. But not everywhere in the Bible, when it says sons of God, are they angels. Now, we have some real problems then. If God created angelic beings with hearts never to be used, then God makes waste. I don't believe God does that. And so I believe it's very clear in Scripture, and Jesus said this this way, that which is spirit is spirit, that which is flesh is flesh. I believe that he was saying, don't get him confused, yet people today insist on doing so. Now again, you'll say, and they begat giants. It never says that. It never says the sons of God, if they were descendants of Seth and the daughters of men, begat giants. It just says there were giants in the land in those days. You have a pre-flood world. 
I think there was a lot of very unusual things going in that pre-flood world. But Jesus, you say, how can I prove what I'm saying? I'm glad you asked. Jesus does the commentary on Genesis 6. Jesus said this. Now, I know he's not much of an authority in the church anymore, but you know, if we take him for what he says, I believe we don't have all these crazy, abnormal doctrines floating around. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 24. As in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. They were eating, drinking, marrying, given in marriage, until Noah entered the ark. It doesn't say they were having wild sex orgies with with angelic beings. Jesus never mentions that about any angelic beings having any kind of relationship with human beings whatsoever. And Jesus goes down and mentions some of the very basics. They were eating, drinking, marrying, given in marriage. It was party time. And right before the the great judgment of God came upon the world, Noah entered the ark. Now, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. I believe Jesus there in Matthew 24 is referring to the rapture. Because we find right now in the world, eating, drinking, marrying, given in marriage, party time. The rapture comes, and then a global judgment comes on the world. Noah's day, party time. They entered the ark. A global judgment came upon the world. Now, if you read farther up in Matthew chapter 24, it says this, Unless those days were shortened, there'd be no flesh saved. That is not describing what was right before the flood. That's describing what we find in the last part of the book of Revelation, where every living thing in the sea dies. All the trees are burned up. The drinking waters turn to blood. Global war is everywhere. Two-thirds, almost two-thirds of the world's population has died. So no, it, 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 it's not as in the days of Noah, when the rapture comes or the flood came. No, you're talking mere survival at the second coming of Christ. But I believe the rapture of the church will come when people aren't expecting it. The Bible says he's coming as a thief. Now, why is that important? Because the second coming of Christ, every eye will see him. As lightning flashes from the east and goes into the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. But Jesus said concerning his coming for his people, he's coming as a thief. And then he says in Matthew 24, pray that you would be found worthy to escape all these things that are to come on the earth. Friends, I believe again, I think we are right on the edge of the Lord taking his church home. Chris, uh, and your thoughts with that as well, Scott. Yeah, Mike, you know, and this whole thing about the Nephilim, because this is really popular right now in Christian circles. There's a lot of crazy ideas going around right now, especially in the realm of, you know, aliens are Nephilim and they're getting human women pregnant right now on spaceships. And I mean, there's some crazy stuff going on in the minds of believers about the Nephilim that they've returned to the earth now and all this stuff. And they're using that scripture that Mike quoted 
where Jesus talked about, you know, at the end times, it'll be like it was in days of Noah before his coming. And Mike, here's what I think is interesting is I, I know some teaching going around where people are saying this, people are teaching and, and they're using for a basis for this, the book of Enoch. They're using that and they're elevating that to the authority of scripture, which is totally wrong. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> you can't be no more wrong than well, the book the of God's... Enoch is not canonized. It wasn't right. canonized because it was junk. Then it's junk now. now. Yeah. And this and, is and, the problem. And yet they delved into these books that were rejected by our church fathers because they knew they were junk and saying, Oh, but look what it says here. Heresy, heresy, heresy. That's the problem. Yeah, exactly. And, and Mike, you know, it's interesting because here's, here's what people are saying. I'm hearing people teach that the reason that God wiped out Noah's generation wasn't because they were evil. It was Even because that's what the Bible says they were. Right. That's what the Bible says. But they say, no, that's not it. The reason it is is because the Nephilim had got into everybody's DNA and Noah and his family were the only ones who had not been infiltrated with this Nephilim and hybrid DNA. That's what they say. And then the same people, I've heard the same people say, it's going to be the same with the mark of the beast, that when people receive the mark of the beast, the reason they go to hell for taking the mark of the beast is not because they've worshiped the image or, 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 you know, took the mark um, in, in trying to, you know, save themselves and worship the image of the beast. The reason they're going to go to hell is because there's going to be something in the mark that's going to change their DNA, just like it did in Noah's day. Listen, this is crazy teaching. The Bible tells us very clearly the reason why people in the book of Revelation that take the mark of the beast, the reason they are damned forever is because they have to worship the Antichrist as the true Christ, which means they have to reject the true Christ. That's why. So this is really crazy. But I would say this, Mike, I think it, I think this whole thing really boils down to everybody having and understanding what the Bible says about angels. The Bible says they are created by God, and the Bible says that they are spirits. They're spirit beings, okay? They are spirits, and so they don't have bodies the way we have bodies. Now, you do see angels in the Bible sometimes materialize, and when they do and appear to humans, they look like other humans. But that's only when God is sending an angel to the earth with a message to give to another human being. He does it in a way where we can understand what the angel is saying and be able to even have anything to, to be able to see them, to be able to interact with them. Other than that, the angels are invisible. Now, the angels in heaven, okay, it appears, at least with the four living creatures, which are angelic beings around God's throne, that they have some sort of physicality to them. But they're in heaven with the Lord. They, they probably have some kind of glorified body that's a spiritual body. But I think it's important because the moment we say angels have physical bodies or they can materialize on their own into humans, well, then if that's true, why don't they do it all the time then? Why did they just do it during those days? Why, why has it ended? So, I, you know, this is why I think it's important for us to have a, a, a very basic understanding of what angels are. They are spirit beings. Therefore, no, they, they don't reproduce. And Jesus actually said in Matthew chapter 22, which I know people take this verse and they twist it to make it try to say what it doesn't say. But Jesus said in the resurrection, when we're all resurrected in our glorified bodies, it, it says there is no marriage 
we will neither marry or be given in marriage, but we are like the angels of God in heaven, which means that they don't do that, that they don't have, they don't, they don't marry and they don't reproduce, which is one of the purposes of marriage. And so again, I, I think this whole Nephilim teaching and all this stuff is so out of whack these days, Mike, that, uh, you know, we need it's to be clear stupid. about it. It's, yes, it's, it is. It's so unbiblical. Yeah, it's a distraction. It follow anything, and they have to change it. Well, the reason that they were destroyed is because they were hybrids on the <laughs> earth. It doesn't right. say that. And no. these people rewrite the Bible to suit their own belief, to get a following. It's very, 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 very disheartening. Yeah, Chris, I and hope you know, that. Mike, and you know, Mike, it's very distracting. It gets Christians, yes, yes, yes. it gets Christians off of off of sharing the gospel with people. And off the Great Commission, and it gets them onto mysticism and trying Aliens. to, yeah, Aliens. exactly, exactly. You know, which, which, by the way, is what I think our government was trying to do not long ago. Whenever they allowed, all of a sudden, they changed, they changed the 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 rules and allowed these um, these pilots and things to go ahead and testify uh, before Congress uh, what they saw and that they have, they actually have. Uh, biologics that are not human that, and, and they talk about seeing spaceships and all this kind of stuff. I thought that was very interesting that our government, uh, you know, was like, okay, you know, these guys are going to step out and share this. And, um, I think also, I think at that time when, cause that happened this past year, and I think that was a distraction. I think it was a distraction to try well, to get people and, and the Bible off says, of what's going on in our nation and to go, look over here, there's aliens. <laughs> yeah, the Bible says Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. So if he can do that, I, I, I think for him to, 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 you know, fool people with a cylindrical object or oh, a UFO or what, I do know this though, when the rapture comes, a strong mm-hmm. delusion will be sent on the earth that they believe a lie. What happened yeah. to the people who vanished? The UFOs got them, or the earth has purged itself of the undesirables, or we must unite as the earth to prevent this from happening again. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons, I think, out there. But uh, I, I know that Satan can do some pretty amazing things, um, but that doesn't mean what he's doing is true. And I do not believe yeah. angels reproduce or have that capability. Chris, I hope that helps. Uh, well, yes, it did. And I do agree with the majority of what you're saying. My, We're getting far away from my question, though. Uh, the question was, obviously, do angels have reproductive capability? Which, no, from what you I don't believe so. Uh-uh, because no, they're they're spirit beings, right? They're spirit beings, and the Bible does not speak that they do. And so to add to God's word at this point, I think it'd be a really bad mistake. Because throughout my searching of the Bible, the only thing I've found is that angels are referred to genderly as far as being male. When you talk about Gabriel or Michael the Archangel. Yes, mm-hmm. Yep, that's true, Chris, but that doesn't mean that they're male in the way that human beings or animal kind on this planet are. And so it's the masculine form, which even God himself refers to himself as. Say line if you like, we're all out of time. Jared, Angela, and uh, Daniel, call, or uh, Chris, call us. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. 
And thanks so much, Scott. God bless you all. Have a good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 